This is One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. Welcome into One Bills Live. It's Wednesday, July 19th. That means we are one week away from the first training camp practice. <laughs> Actually, by this time, the guys will be wrapping up with practice, probably eating lunch and getting ready for afternoon meetings. Maddie Glab here alongside Steve Tasker today as Chris Brown is out for the week. And the rookies reported yesterday the training room was busy. The weight room was busy. You could see some of the guys are starting to file back into the office and get ready to go for training camp at St. John Fisher University. Um, the veterans will report a few days after the rookies, really the day before is when they have to report. But right. a lot of the guys will come back even before that to kind of get things rolling and ready to go. But, yeah, first practice in one week. Are we ready? I am. Of course, I don't have to be in shape or anything like that either. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think – it's everybody in the whole league. You can just feel it. All the all the media outlets from every NFL city, the players, everybody's just like, "We're just waiting. We're hanging around. Right, let's go." You know, it's time to. And yeah. it's it, this uh, this last month we we've joked about it for a couple of weeks. Place has been vacant, and everybody takes that last little break because in you know even us. We don't take a snap all year, but once that season starts, it's go time, baby. All hands on deck. Let's mm-hmm. go. And uh, the whole building buzzes all day, every day. The players are on it. The, the fans are on it. I mean, everything turns up, and um, and it becomes football season. And that's – we're on that one Ooh. week – we're on that routine, that week-at-a-time routine. It's going to be – although – Routine isn't going to be a routine this year with the way the bill schedule fell. Yeah, definitely. Monday nighter to open the season against the Jets. Uh, that's going to be an amazing game. Speaking of playing against the Jets, they are going to be on hard knocks this season. And there have been some reports that have come out about the Jets really not wanting to do hard knocks. And Aaron Rodgers said they are forcing it down our throats. That's the reason why we're doing it. Adam Schefter was on ESPN kind of talking about the Jets scenario and what they had to say to NFL Films, which was basically, we don't want to do this. We don't want to be a part of it this year. And they waited a while to announce. The NFL waited a while to announce because I think they were trying to maybe find somebody else who would be down to do it. The commanders were brought up per... Um, Adam Schefter, but since they don't have a new owner in place yet, they didn't feel like it was the right time to do that type of show. Maybe they will be a nominee in the next couple years when when they do have some newness in that building, a new owner. So the NFL came back to the Jets and they said, you're going to do it. You have no options. You're doing it and you will like it. And the Jets came back saying, fine, we're not going to give you a lot of access. One of the things that Adam Schefter noted was that in terms of access, they will not be showing players get cut because they believe that is not humane to show something like that. Right. What I do you that. What do you think? You you get that? Yeah, I get it's it. a tough time. Yeah, I get it. It's a difficult, particularly for a young player. It's not. It's the least fun thing. Coaches will tell you it's the worst thing they hate about their job the most is having to release a player who's really done everything you asked him to do except be good enough to beat somebody else out. It's a hard thing, and I. There is no doubt the NFL put as much pressure 
on the Jets to do I mean, this. Come on, they were as the possible. team. You they, gotta, you gotta make them do it. Right, it's the only choice. Like, the Jets are the only, knew. absolutely they only. They're in this huge media we market. We want to do it. They've been, they've stunk for the last handful of years. And they had a really good team minus a quarterback last year. They were, uh, you know, Zach Wilson just couldn't do it as a rookie. And not, not too many guys can. There's nothing on him. The team was really good around him. And they, you know, so they plug in a future Hall of Fame, super, really a superstar player in Aaron Rodgers, who's head of the Hall of Fame. And in that market, in that city where, that is starved for a winner, to bring a superstar player in on a team that's really should be pretty good, and the expectations are off the charts. They're opening on Monday Night Football. There's nobody else yeah. that can match that story, Sorry. right? You got it. Yeah. You got to do it. He's knew it, and and the Jets are like going uh, because let's face it. I mean, they got stuff to figure out. Yeah. Yeah. And of course you don't want cameras in those meetings when you're trying to figure out the offense and when you're having when you're having those meetings of, of planning what what the team's going to look like or or what the offense is going to look like. Sure they're not going to show all the Xs and Os like no duh, but there's I don't want to say heated, but there's going to be some intense meetings that this team is about to have throughout training camp. And you're going to have you're going to have a head coach and, and coaches they're going to have serious conversations with the starting quarterback who's a Hall of Famer and they're going to say, "Hey, listen, this is how we got to do this." You know, they you know, criticism has to be leveled at play. The head coach takes criticism. The starting quarterback takes criticism. The quarterback's coach and the offensive coordinator who – the quarterback and the coordinator who have a really strong relationship is going to be fleshed out. And they, you know, and they got to go to the head coach and say, hey, we want to try this. And the head coach says, no. You know, and plus, Maddie, the Jets have a reputation – of going up in flames mm-hmm. when stuff doesn't go exactly the the fans go crazy. I must see TV. Oh my god! And also with the way that Aaron Rodgers has broadcasted himself to the entire world over the over the last few years, he didn't help himself in that category either. Right. Like, He's buddy, ne- you've been all over the TV <laughs> every single week, online, on Twitter, on the right. Pat McAfee show. And like, to be kind. He comes across as, a, at the very least, eccentric. Yes. Which is like, you know. So, yeah, we want to watch you. This is the guy that put his foot up on the desk for the, to show the media where he was in. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's the guy that's doing ayahuasca. This guy that's darkness going to the to darkness. To where he wanted to play right. or if he wanted to play I or mean, not. I there's mean, like, there's just no, there's no end to the quirkiness that's going to be there. And the Jets, on that stage in New York, with the... the vocal nature of their fan base, the impatience of their fan base, the hostility of their fan base (laughs) towards stuff not going right. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to watch the crap out of it. You have got to watch it. you got to tape it. I'm going to take notes. you got to DVR it. (laughs) So you can go back and say, wait, do you remember that? And go back and watch it. It is absolutely must watch. In fact, I, you know, he's sitting here talking to you. We'll like be this. talking about it on the show once it airs. I don't really, I haven't really watched it in years past. I've just kind Same. of caught clips Same. and stuff. I'm going to watch that. Yeah, 100%. I think the first episode drops August 8th, I want to say. I saw something on Twitter today for when it drops. I'm going to look it up. And right. see Most of all, you want to watch it because, two, this is the first time I can remember, although it might have happened. This is the first time it's been of an AFC East opponent, mm-hmm. a Bills division team. So it's I don't relevant. think the Patriots, it's the Dolphins, for the have done Bills. It. So yeah, so I think the coaching staff's going to be watching this. 
Do you think it's a competitive advantage to tune in? Listen, they have people assigned to, to watch, watch it, it and take notes. You have guys, listen, you got to watch every episode and tape it and so we can go back and look and show me anything that's relevant about what they're doing. Yeah, or anything that's going on in the background that's right. that might be That's one thing people don't understand. Teams go so far as to look at the background. Mm-hmm. Like, what are those? All right, you see they're talking. They're, are, they're showing Aaron Rodgers. you see them lined up in that shot like, that's way right. down the field? Aaron Rodgers is in the forefront they're, of the shot. But the in the back, you can see the defense lined up in a certain way. What, what are they running there? If you can't see what they're running, who's lined up? Yeah. Is that is that you know is that Quinn and Williams and who are they? have they got a different combination going on? Who's working together over there? That all of that, every detail of that film is going to be gone over. And, and the Bills don't have any film with the Jets and Aaron Rodgers yet because they haven't played a game together yet. So you oh. better believe they'll be watching. And it's hard not just Buffalo. Well. I mean the Patriots, the Dolphins, mm-hmm. all you know the the entire the entire Jet list of opponents, which is you know it's Dallas. Kansas City, Denver, Philly, all those teams will be yep. watching it too. Those are all on the first – that's before their bye week they've got those teams. So they've got, they're going to be doing all of that. And they got the – oh, my gosh, it's going to be crazy. I can't wait. Yeah, August 8th is the premiere of Hard Knocks with the Jets. It's on HBO, which is called Now Max, I believe is the new name for it. They're always changing their name. Speaking of other shows, we kind of talked about quarterback in between breaks yesterday. It's the new quarterback series on Netflix that highlights a few quarterbacks. Of course, Patrick Mahomes is one of those guys. I haven't gotten a chance to watch it yet. I really want to watch it should we have some homework this week to watch an episode and discuss homework for watching tv is never homework but yes i think we should do that for thursday or friday's show we gotta get on that talk about what we what we think about it because i saw some people tweet about it i think i was reading ian rapaport's tweets and he said the uh the the look behind the curtain, behind the scenes of how the wives were involved in the show, he said, is something that he hasn't really seen before when football players have been highlighted on a show like Hard Knock. So he said that was really unique, was their buy-in of, of the show and, and how they were shown um, throughout the show. So I'm looking forward to watch it, watching it. I want to watch an episode this week, and maybe if we do, we can, we can chat about it. All right. We'll but keep on, that on the docket. On today's show, we've got... Fox Sports' AFC East writer on with us at 2 o'clock. His name is Henry McKenna. He wrote an article up about Dalton Kincaid, so we'll ask him about the team, what he thinks about this group heading into training camp, some of those draft picks as well. And we also have a topic today. Our question is, which player is this year's Bills training camp, in this year's Bills training camp, is the most compelling? So who do you have your eye on? Who do you think... Everybody should be watching who is the most compelling in this year's training camp. So you guys can tweet at us or give us a call at 803-0550. Yesterday's question was about adding wrinkles to this offense, what we wanted to see Ken Dorsey do in 2023. So do you think a compelling player this year in training camp is an offensive player or a defensive player? Tasker, where does your mind go well, when you think about compelling players and training camp? Well, the most important guy is always Josh, but it's you know I I think Josh is a known commodity mm-hmm. now. You know you you kind of got your idea. You're not intrigued by anything about Josh. You're just ready to see him play again, and and he's kind of tweak his game and do all of that. And that's a little bit intriguing, but it's not as intriguing as. And I was just watching before we came on the air. You heard me. I had him over there. I had the the sound on in my computer. I was watching highlights of Dalton Kincaid. 
And it was the game. The only game they ever see from Dalton is the one that's played US, against USC where he had 16 catches yes. on 16 targets. And the one target he didn't get a catch on didn't count. It was a, he drew a penalty. So the guy was unbelievable. He was everywhere. So Dalton Kincaid is a real intriguing player for me. But there are others as well. Um, I think the two guys they brought in, Trent Shurfield and Deontay Hardy, are, are certainly Definitely. candidates for that. Latavius Murray and uh, Damian Harris. And James Cook, all three of those guys are a little. That whole room is intriguing to me, um, and I'm kind of going down. I'm kind of going down the list here. I didn't want to. I started with Kincaid, and that's probably where it's going to be. Khalil Shakir is a little bit intriguing. Is he going to expand or contract his role? You know, because there's a lot of people they brought in to compete for that. Um, I want to see Leonard Floyd, you know, and Vaughn and mm-hmm. those dudes. Yeah. I, um, there's so many players that you could say are compelling because so many guys have different storylines heading into this training camp, different yeah. things that they're dealing with, whether it's coming off of an injury, whether it's being a younger player. I think about Tredavious White and the offseason that all of his coaches and, and teammates have said that he's had in, in terms of being a really yeah. hard worker this offseason and really being back to his old trade A ways. I want to see what that looks like on the field during training camp. And I mean, the Mike linebacker competition this training right. camp is going to be off the charts. I'm, I'm looking at Terrell Bernard and Dorian Williams as, as two guys who will be compelling as, as those two among others will be competing for that starting job. But those two kind of fit the prototype of, of what you want in today's NFL it's, linebacker and a, and a guy who can sure stop the run, but also drop into coverage right. and, and it's stop almost, the pass. It's almost just as hard to pick whether the, either side of the which side of the ball is more intriguing yeah. <laughs> you know whether it's offensive or defense because I'm you know there's a lot of known commodities on the offense with Steph Diggs and Josh uh, the offensive line is going to be better because they got new guys inside and they're going to be bigger and more physical down inside in the offensive line I mean and then you go on the defensive side they got all these guys that are on one-year deals at tackle and you mm-hmm. got this young crop plus these two veterans and Leonard Floyd and and, uh, uh, and Vaughn Miller How's Vaughn going to come back? Is Vaughn going to start to practice? Are we going to see him in a real uniform in the first couple of weeks of training camp, at training camp, at all, in the preseason? Um, you know, and then you know, I, my dark horse for the whole thing is the in, in, middle linebacker. I think Balen Spector's got a chance to mm-hmm. do this because I went back. He's an athletic dude. Yeah, I went back and looked. He's his, physical, too. His stuff coming out of college, he was really yeah. athletic, and yeah. that's why he played on the team last year. He got – He played a, special teams. Yeah, he yeah. played teams on the on – the, uh, on the team last year. So, and plus with Tremaine there as a pro bowler and an income, Baylor Spector is never going to beat Tremaine Edmonds out. So he's going to have to just make his way. Is he going to do something? You know, is he going to like, like, wow, look at this guy. He, they had him last year. He he's got, got the, the body of a linebacker too. He's I mean, big and he's physical. Yeah. yeah. He's, um, and coming out, like I said, his combine stuff was really promising. He's mm-hmm. a really good athlete. He can run, he can jump, he can, all that stuff. So he was completely forgotten about last year because all he was doing was covering kicks. Yeah. So I don't know. I it's he's intriguing to me. He comes from an athletic family too. His dad played at Clemson. His brother plays at Clemson. His cousin is has played in the NFL. I'm not sure if he's still in the NFL, but I did an interview with him this offseason. It's on the website buffalobills.com. Five questions with Balen Spector. You can learn a little bit more about him. Random, but he told me he had been to three Masters already. He what a what? He's been to three Masters tournaments already. Golf tournaments? Yeah. 
Oh yeah. I was like, you are so lucky. He's from been, Georgia, so yeah. I've been too. I, the thing that gets you too about him is, I mean, I played around a golf with him this off season. He's a big dude, athletic, mm-hmm. hand eyes good, and that's what struck me. I didn't realize how you know, he's built like an NFL player. Yeah, he and definitely is. So and when you hang around him and you see these guys, and plus when you see him out on the field, you forget, you know. They've got the like Balen Specter and Bernard. Bernard's there because he was a fresh guy last year. You want to see him. AJ Klein's been around. You kind of forget about him. Dodson has always been. He's like, you know, he's like a piece of furniture. He's always here, yep. right? He's not. They're not getting rid of him, right? So uh, you just kind of go down the list. It's like, and then you got to pick one of those guys, and you think, well, I don't know enough about some of them. Bernard and Specter, the guys we don't know anything about. Specter can cover kicks. Bernard was there. You know, and what does Sean want out of his defense this year? Is he's calling the plays? Does he want something different? Yeah, I mean, you you have a lot of different types of linebackers in that room who could vie for that middle linebacker spot. Another player that I think about still on defense is Kyir Elam. He's he's going to have a compelling camp. Is is he going to earn that starting cornerback spot opposite of Travis White? I mean, Christian Benford had a great year as well before he got injured. And then you have to think of Dane Jackson, too, is, who has just been reliable year after year after year. And he's not a guy that has come in as like, oh, there's going to be a drop-off in the defense when Dane is playing. No, Dane has been a great CB2 on this defense. Dane. They have tried to replace Dane Jackson every year, and he's still here. It's it's like the old Levi. It's like yeah, Levi Wallace. He's the new Levi Wallace. You can't get rid of him. And you think about it. You go down the list. You got Taron Johnson at the slot, who has been an absolute pillar of the defense. Another guy, Taylor Rapp. He's going to have That's a compelling right. camp. How are they going to use him That's this right. year? There's no way he's going to be riding the bench this year so with how he safeties, played. Poyer, Hyde, and Rapp. Then you got the look at the corners. You got Tredavious. Dane Jackson, Kyer Elam, Christian Benford, and Dane Jackson. Mm -hmm. That's five guys that have really played well for the defense under a lot of different circumstances. Um, And then you throw in Taylor Rapp as the new guy in there. They're deep. They're really deep. Which they haven't been in a couple seasons. Yeah, but we don't know what that's going to look like with Sean McDermott calling the defenses. Which makes it even more compelling. Yeah, so I sort of think same thing. And with all the new guys they got on offense and the new weapons and the the thing about it is most of the guys that are going to be – that you look forward to seeing play are guys who have played in the NFL. Trent Shurfield, Deontay Hardy, Connor McGovern. You know, the only guy guy that's new, the only two guys you can think of that are new – or uh, Osiris Torrance. He's also compelling. Like, right? how is he? Is he going to be in the lineup? Is he going to be a, a, a second man up type of player? How yeah. is he going to learn this offense and gel with the other offensive linemen? Yeah. I'll be really interested to see kind of how he fits in as well. He's the only one we haven't seen on in the NFL. And Kincaid, are the, they're the only two that we haven't seen in the NFL. Everybody else at all these other positions have got some snaps. And the Bills have competition everywhere for these for these spots, and it's it's going to be a really interesting training camp, both offensively and defensively. So I'm I'm interested to see what people, what fans, who you know watch, listen to us and watch us on TV, who sticks out to them. What are they curious about? 
in training camp, what's intriguing to them, and that's that's going to be fun. And to are see. we going to see guys sticking out on day one? Is it going to take a, a week <laughs> or two to really see these competitions start to take shape and and start to see? Okay, who are the leaders in here right now? It's really fun because every year they say, "Well, when the pads go on, things change," and all, <laughs> and they kind of say that. But I'll say this: you know, we've talked about how the game has changed and how it's gotten. You know, they they take care of these guys more. They give them let more time off in the off season, fewer padded practices. During season, um, and what it has done to me, and I, I just started thinking about this the other day. When they do put shoulder pads and helmets, and they start to really play contact football in practice and training camp. It's an even bigger jump than it has been in the past because they get less of it. Yep, that's you a know? good point. It's it's almost like oh wow, you know, it's it's so uh, such a stark difference from what a pro practice and pro camp and pro OTAs and mini camps. You never pad up, ever. And then when you do, it's a really big adjustment, bigger than it has been in the past because you have so little experience in the offseason doing it. So it really separates guys quickly. And that's always when they, you know, they always have the acclimation period. They had a week or so in training camp before they put pads on. Then when those pads do go on, it's like, oof, wow, you look at that. It's got things changed for some guy. There's a yeah. handful of spots where you think, oof, that's, that's different And today. the defense really needs some time to get going once you put the pads on right. in terms of tackling. I remember back to one of the COVID years, and it was a quote from Micah, I think, after a game, or, or maybe it was after a preseason game, and the tackling for the Bills was not up to par, not up to right. what the standards were within the defense. And, and Micah said something to the notion of, hey – We've started late this year because of COVID, and it's impacted kind of us getting back in the rhythm of just form tackling. You think that's so easy to do, but it does take time to get that down. When when you've gone through a whole off season when you haven't tackled somebody, yeah, I mean, they, can't they come back here in April and they go through workouts and then OTAs and mandatory mini camp, but you're not putting pads on for any of that. And then <laughs> right. when you go home in in June and July. You're training with your buddies, and you're not practicing. Nobody you're, you're tackles. Running right, you're running yeah. routes. You're doing footworks type of things, but you're not tackling. Yeah. So the last time these guys tackled somebody was the last game they played in January. Right. That's right. You don't practice. They can't practice it. And I get it, too. You can go out, and, and you'll see about here once in a while, well, they're, they got these big uh, donuts that are like a, a long square that's in a circle mm -hmm. and they can roll it and the guys come up and tackle it but you it's know, not the same <laughs> you know it's different yeah so it you does gotta take really some work time. hard to to find a way to, to teach tackling and uh and I've, I've said this too one of the the things that's difficult for some people to do particularly young kids and young players when they come in to start playing tackle football is to set aside their self, their sense of self-preservation. You have to be willing to jump in front of a guy who's running. You know, you have to be willing to put your body in front of a guy who's moving hard and, you know, take his knees and grab his, you know, let his body hit your body and wrap around it. It's hard to do for some people. And it, when they do finally do that, you'll see some guys who have really been playing well and flashing and doing all this stuff, all of a sudden they kind of disappear. And then other guys who've just been okay are like, oh, well, he's a little better. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, 
it's the physical nature of the game is still the trump card that makes it different than any other sport. And that's still, even in today's NFL, it's still the case. Yeah. We want you guys to get involved in the conversation. Which player in this year's Bills training camp is the most compelling? We've got some callers hanging on the line. So we'll go to Stan from Buffalo. He's on the line with us. Stan, who do you think is the most compelling player in this year's training camp? Hey, Maddie. Hey, Steve. Thanks for having me on. Uh, You know what? This is uh, the toughest question you guys have ever posed. Um, I I think we – our defense is beastly, um, but I, I believe Gabe Davis is compelling simply because if Gabe can't really cut it this year, if he's still got that that whatever he had in his head last year, do you guys think that uh, Sherfield can actually slide into Gabe's spot, have Kincaid play as a um, as a you know slot receiver or an H back? and maybe put um, the rookie from last year in the slot spot and just load that offense up for Josh. So there's a lot of compelling things, I think, on the offensive side with what Dorsey Dorsey has and needs to do. I'm going to hang up and listen to you guys. Yeah, it's a good point. Thanks for the call, Stan. Yeah, thanks, Stan. It's a good point. Um, And you're right. Nothing is chiseled in granite at this point, except for maybe Diggs. Diggs is going to be on the field. And he's versatile enough. He could play in the slot. He could play outside of the X. And he could also play the Z. And the difference between the X and the Z, and it doesn't sound like much, but it is different. The X plays on the line of scrimmage. So when he's one of the guys that can't move. Once they set the ball and they line up, the X is going to stay there and he's going to be there. The Z is off the line of scrimmage because the tight end will be inside of him. He has to uncover the tight end. So he can move and go in motion and motion across, come out. He can shift. He can set and all of that. Um, that's the difference between the X and the Z. It's not much, because you, but for Diggs, it makes a lot of difference because they put him off the ball a yard, and then he can move, and he forces the defense to find him. And when you move a guy like Diggs, everybody on the defense has to adjust because they got to make sure wherever he goes, somebody got him. The X is different. That's why you want like a big X receiver. You just want a physical matchup because he's going to be standing there tall. And he's a big, hard, physical target that you need somebody to, to bear up and guard him. But you, even, but you know where he's at. That's like, that's, you know, it's kind of an alpha guy who doesn't care. Line, line up anybody on me. I'm going to take him and I ain't moving. You're gonna, but a guy like Diggs, you got to find him and chase him down and make sure you got two, and hopefully, you know, for your defense, maybe two guys. Right. Yeah. So as he runs across the formation, it goes from this guy and this guy to that guy and this guy and then this guy and the other guy and the other guy and another guy. As he goes further and further across the formation, his those who are guarding him, it changes every time he crosses one of the other receivers. So that's part of what Diggs's deal is. But when you get an X guy like Gabe Davis, he doesn't move. So they know where he's at, and, and that's kind of – so you kind of get the mindset. It's like, all right, let's go, you and me, let's go. All these other guys are going to – they're over there with digs. They're doing all that. They're adjusting and switching all that. It's you and me. Let's go. That's the kind of different mindset. That's where Gabe is at. And that's – you know, so what the coaching staff is going to do is find guys who have all of the skill sets you need, but they'll mix and match. Where they put, you know, and what happens if Gabe Davis now is the X, but he moves inside and guys are moving all over. 
and somebody all of a sudden, Gabe Davis is matched up with a fat guy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then it's like, oh, look at here, you know, let's go. Let's, that's let's. how they work it. And that's all up to Ken, uh, Ken Dorsey yep. and all those guys and the players and whoever is on the field with Gabe Davis and Dion and, and Steph Diggs and mm-hmm. all these guys. So that's how that offensive mindset works for the, for the players themselves and for guys who are kind of guarding them. It's going to be really fun because this is a whole new cast of characters outside of Davis and Diggs. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Gabe Davis is a compelling player to watch this training camp because last year, I think from the outside, expectations were really high for Gabe Davis because of the playoffs that he had, because of the four touchdowns in a game. You don't see that a lot or really at all. And going into this last season, there were a lot of expectations because of that, and rightfully so. Maybe they were a little bit too high, but he had that ankle sprain, and I think that affected what he was able to do. So he didn't have the season that most of us were hoping that he would have. So I think, yeah, is he going to step up to the plate this this season, this training camp? Is he going to be a different player this training camp? Is he going to be a guy who's not a, a young guy anymore? I mean, this is year four for him. Um, he's been in the system for a few years. I mean, he did have over 800 receiving yards last year, so it's not like he didn't do anything. Um, we'll see what it looks like this season, and, and yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, what Gabe, is, Gabe Davis is doing paired with a guy like Trent Sherfield, How are they going to use him? Will they interchange those two at all? Gabe is a little bit bigger than Trent, um, but Trent also is a compelling player for, yes. for this training camp as well because he's new to the team. Um, he had a not a lot of success, but he was a player with the Miami Dolphins that, that people were upset when right. he left the team. Uh, his teammates were upset when he left the team. So I think that means you've got a really great player in Trent Sherfield, and it's just going to be how do we fit him into the offense? How do we fit him into what we want to do? But also how does he how does he work with the, with the strengths that he can offer? I mean, this is an offense that wants to play to your strengths of the players within it, um, which I love, getting the best out of those guys. So – Two great names, Gabe Davis, Trent Sherfield, for sure compelling players. Who do you think is the most compelling player in this year's Bills training camp? Give, give us a call here at 803-0550 or tweet at us. We're going to take a break. But when we come back, we'll be reading off the tweet sheet and answering some more of your calls here on One Bills Live. We're presented by Clyde Health on Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, we're back here on One Bills Live. We've got a great topic for you today as training camp is just a week away, the first practice of training camp, that is. Which player in this year's Bills training camp is the most compelling in your eyes? I think you could go down the entire roster and there could be a conversation for each and every player on this roster because all guys are heading into this training camp, into this season with a different story. And we've got some callers on the line. So we're going to go to Dan in Rochester. Dan, you're on with us. Who do you think is the most compelling in this year's training camp? Well, what Steve said, I was thinking of Dalton King Cage. Yeah, that's a good with one. With the two tight ends, it could give him real problems. And, uh, Matt, you do a great job since you've been in Buffalo. Oh, thank you. Great job, great job. Steve, you're a Hall of Famer all the way. I've been living in Western New York for 72 years, so <laughs> nothing but hard work from you. I think it's Dalton King Cage. 
All right. Thanks, Dan. Go ahead. I'm so sick of hearing about the Jets, I could scream. (laughs) (laughs) We're sorry about Uh, talking about him. I'm living here. Well, we got a Jet fan who was right across the street from me over here. I can't stand him. I'm so sick of them. (laughs) Thanks. I'm playing the game right now, Steve. All right. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate it. It's a nice call. And and you're a. I'm ready to play the the game, too. (laughs) Thanks for the nice words. But yeah, that's. uh, I'll say this. Uh, you think about it, with all the extra stuff that goes on, that's going to be a tough game, that opening game. I don't care how their preseason goes and whatever. It's going to be a difficult game for Buffalo to go into Meadowland, to MetLife Stadium, mm-hmm. and beat the Jets on opening night when Aaron Rodgers – and it's, don't forget, September it's going to be 9-11. Yep. And it's, there's going to be a commemorative day for that. They're going to, you know, they're going to have uh, all the, the pomp and circumstances that that day would – command and it should uh it's going to be an emotional day for all of us and the bills got to play a game on the road in that environment against a team that's going to be jacked so that's a i am when you when you start going down the list and saying wl 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 that's a that's a coin toss for me Ugh, and to open the season against it like I'm so excited for this game to open the season against a team that you're the quarterback that's playing for that team you haven't seen tape of them together yet so yeah. the Bills are going to be working with not as much as the Jets will be working with in terms of games that they're able to watch of course they played the Packers last year beat the Packers I think by 10 points so they've seen Aaron Rodgers there's players on this roster like Micah Hyde who have played with Aaron Rodgers um, in Green Bay and they're familiar with the Jets uh, not familiar with some of the new guys but it's a team that they see multiple times a year in terms of the compelling player that Dan said it's Dalton Kincaid and yeah I think he is at the top of the list for many of us because the expectations for him are uncertain right now. And who knows right. when they will be certain. Will, be, will we be able to see that during training camp, um, where he's lined up, how much he's being used? Is this a player who is going to be out on the field for week one? Is he an exception to Sean McDermott not using rookies unless he really needs to within an offense or a defense or unless they break out and it's like, we have got to use this guy it seems like coaching staff tends to kind of fold them in with with a little bit of ease for them to get used to life in the NFL, get used to the offense, get used to the defense. It's not easy for these guys to pick up, but a player like Dalton Kincaid, who in college put some great tape together and who could be a threat to an opposing defense, you're like, you might as well throw him out there. You might as well use him a lot. So that's why he's so compelling. Right. Uh, and the thing about it, too, is we don't – it happens every year because Sean McDermott runs this culture a little differently. I mean, he makes guy. I mean, everybody's got to earn it, and you almost think that if he could, nobody would be getting first team reps, right? They all got to earn true. their first Dalton's year, right? Got to earn it. So we don't know how. Like Kyer Elam last year, huge surprise when Benford earned it. So I don't, you know, who knows? Right? We don't even know if Dalton Kincaid might be fifth on the depth chart at tight end. We don't know. We don't know. So right, there's always that kind of thing going around because McDermott is so staunch and set, and, and rightfully so. I mean, because it's paid huge dividends that they run it this way because the players in the locker room know that if they're doing something right, they're going to get noticed. It doesn't, it doesn't get thrown by the wayside. I mean, it was into, like, Josh Allen's third season, and Sean was still like, he's got to earn the spot. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. 
so, uh, you know, you get these guys like Osiris Torrance and Kincaid, Kyir Elam, you know, Khalil Shakir, these, you know, James Cook. Great example. James Cook. He's compelling. I mean, James Cook, he couldn't get, he couldn't get in front of Motor Singletary. I'm like, dude. So it's hard. And also to get in front of those guys, sometimes those guys have to stumble. Mm-hmm. And if they don't stumble, well, you know, what are you going to do? You can't set them down for not doing something right. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Let's go to Barbara in Rochester. Barbara's been hanging on the line. Barbara, you're on with us now. Who do you think is a compelling player in this year's training camp? Hi, Steve. Hi, Maddie. Great to to talk to you. Um, before I, I get to my the answering of your question, I did want to mention I had a behind-the-scenes tour on Monday at Ooh. Highmark Stadium, and it was awesome. Steve, I love seeing your name up there. I loved getting down on the field and touching the turf. I know that's not going to be something that's available when the, once the new stadium is built. Um, so it, it just it really was an awesome experience. And uh, the second thing before I get to answering your question is I was one of the lucky ones who scored a ticket to the training camp. So I'm I'm really stoked Ooh. to go there and actually see for myself maybe who the most compelling person may be in training camp. Um, but I, I was thinking a little bit outside of the box. My answer is more for the offensive line for a couple of mm-hmm. reasons. Um, I just feel like if uh, I think it's most compelling to give um, Josh the additional time to to go through his run throughs, to make those decisions, to not have to be flushed out of the pocket. Um, but also for the reasons of developing the running game. Um, so I'll, I'll hang up and listen to your response because I'll be interested uh, of your synopsis or your, you know, your feedback on the different players, new and veterans that are on the offensive line that maybe could help in that way. So thank, thank, you. Yeah, thank you, Barbara. I appreciate it. Thanks, Barbara. Yeah, th- you're right. Uh, I've said it a lot. It's a, it's a chemistry experiment in training camp at every position, 22 positions plus all the special teams positions. And they try and mix different skill sets and attitudes and personalities and strengths and weaknesses and person and, you know, and the, and the personalities together to get the best combination of the 11 guys that can actually play on any given down. And let's face it. There are 11 guys on the team. Five of them are offensive line. So, you know, half of them. It's a big position group right, right. now, too, heading into camp. They got to get that right. Mm-hmm. And you got to mix those people together at different positions and different combinations and, and find out when you're best. And there were times last year with the offensive line, and, you know, you could say this for any, any position group on this roster where they didn't play up to the standard of how they should be playing. And they were faced with some injuries last year, but you bring some new guys in. And, and some of these guys who are returning on this team, you know, Spencer Brown is a compelling player because he really hasn't had that full healthy season yet or full healthy offseason and then heading into a season. Um, last offseason he was dealing with injuries. And, and just didn't 
didn't have the season that we all wanted to see him have. He had he had games, he had flashes, but that consistency I think that you you want with a lot of these young players as they're transitioning not into, you know, a, a rookie or a sophomore player that you're ready to see in year three. I'm ready to see a consistent Spencer Brown who can hold down that right tackle spot and be the starter for the future of this team. I, I think he can do that. I think Brandon Bean believes that he can do that. You've got new players like Connor McGovern on this roster. How is he going to fit? you got you got a guy like Ike Bucker who's returning from injury. He was out all last season with a nagging injury, and he's a guy who was in and out of the lineup when he was healthy uh, two seasons ago or a season before his injury. So is he going to be competing for a spot? There's a lot of guys that I think they're going to be rolling through those five spots to figure out who are going to be the best five. Mitch Morse is going to be on the field. Deion Dawkins is going to be on the field. I think the rest are, are up for grabs. Right. Uh, yeah, I think they're going to they're gonna need – I don't know that they'll keep ten guys offensive linemen on the, off, on the roster – but they will keep 10 guys available on the practice squad and all of that. So you'll have at least eight or maybe, yeah, eight guys active on game day. And if you go Mitch Morse, Osiris Torrance, Connor McGovern, Deion Dawkins, and Spencer Brown, and you're right, Spencer Brown was the one position where he had back surgery, had a high ankle sprain. It was never 100% all year. And you'd like to see him get a chance to play. And he's a monster of a man. Like, he right. he towers over people, and he has that strength. And I think that get off to where he can be successful in the NFL. He That's just right. hasn't been able to put it together yet. And I really hope that happens, this this training camp for him. And then you've got guys right behind them that have got some, some chops. Dave Kessenberry, David Edwards, and then Ryan Bates and... Ike Butker, all those guys have played a lot of football in the National Football League. I think I, the two that people are forgetting about that Brownie and I talk about a lot is Alec Anderson mm -hmm. out of, out of uh, USC or UCLA. I'm not sure. UCLA, UCLA. I think. UCLA. Yep. And he's, they're all big, big dudes, uh, even by NFL standards. So it's an offensive line that's going to have a lot of depth and a lot of experience. It's right where you want to be. And that all sounds great. It's like great because we all kind of expect something to happen or what, like last year when you had, you know, Butker goes down and Ryan Bates goes, you know, all these guys. But really the simple fact of the matter is just give us five guys, if they stay healthy, who can dominate. I I've want been, five guys. I've been saying that since 2019, uh, since I came yeah. here. And it seems like, and yes, the offensive line is a position group that does get beat up. And, yes. and it's rare that you're going to have five healthy guys th for an entire season. So you might as well really say seven healthy guys with guys in right. and out of the lineup. Or eight. Yeah. Or eight. But I feel like it's just been a struggle at times for this offensive line in terms of consistency in guys. And, and then you can say, well, it's been good because in the offseason or in training camp, they do roll through a lot of different combinations sure. so that by the time something happens, if someone needs to slide over, they've already practiced that way. But you just want a healthy five, a healthy yeah. seven, a healthy eight. I'll say this. You know, and all the stuff we've had, we've always said, just give us – hope the offensive line plays well. They play good. You know, we get a good offensive line. That's good. Here's the thing. With the guys on this roster, there's a – Bills fans aren't out of line – that if this line, offensive line gets out, they find the, the right combination with this depth and these guys behind, that this offensive line, forget about being good. Let's be dominant. 
they've got a chance to, to have physically dominating players up front. For the first time since 1990, when, and I've, I've told a lot of my friends this, in 1990 when the Bills went to their Super Bowl, there were only seven men in the entire National Football League, seven players across every th- roster that were listed at 300 pounds or more. That's, it was a different league. Mm-hmm. We had three of them starting oh on our gosh. offensive line. If you're going to go and be there and do that and have a shot at it, if you've got a dominant offensive line, you're halfway home now. This, to me, this group, there's five guys in there who, if they're healthy, it can do that. That's something Bills fans and this team, and, and a lot of teams, haven't seen ever for a long, long time. That would be awesome. Sign right? me up. But that's what I, that's Your the potential can here. Do so much more. This group that I'm, I'm, I'm like, like little check marks and X's over here, and looking at these guys, <laughs> little that, hearts. It's in there somewhere. I believe they're yeah. good enough there. If that happens, and you know, let's all just take it out of gear and, and let's ride along, man, because mm-hmm. they're gonna they'll carry it. Yeah. But that's what it's gonna be if 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 those guys play like that, which I you know I hadn't thought about until just that's true. Man, let's go. Tasker's getting excited. All right, we're continuing the conversation next on One Bills Live. More calls to answer, some tweets to read as well. We're One Bills Live, presented by Clyde Health on Buffalo Bills Radio. We're back here on One Bills Live. Don't forget at 2 o'clock we've got Henry McKenna who will be on with us. He's the Fox Sports AFC East writer and a former Patriots beat writer for USA Today. He wrote a story on Dalton Kincaid and Sean McDermott taking over the defense. A little bit about the AFC East as well, so we'll ask him about that and more. Our topic today, which player in this year's Bills training camp is the most compelling? A good topic, a lot of callers. We've got some more hanging on the line. So let's go to Rick from Williamsville. Rick, you're on with us now. How are you doing, Rick? Good, thank you. Um, Dalton Kincaid is going to reinvent the position of slot receiver because of his catch radius. You want to put a nickel back on him? Go ahead. You want to put a linebacker on him? Be our guest. And behind him... Second string will be a guy named Zach Davidson. This guy has a catch radius like a B-25. This guy is huge, and he's fast. Um, That's all I got to say. I think they're going to reinvent that position, and it's going to be tough to defend against. One last thing, the the Achilles heel for the Bills is going to be backup center. They do not have a dedicated backup center. They got guys who are slash center guard slash center what do you think of that thanks um, for the call Rick. if you're going to pick us an achilles heel the backup player at an interior line spot would be the place you would actually pick to have a a, a deficient a backup yeah uh maybe you're right um but i know there are like at least three guys on the list i'm looking at who who can do it bates could do yeah, it ryan bates has done it before ryan bates has done it i think butker has tried it at I least once or twice too, i know yeah. this too uh they're trying to. They're training Alec Anderson to be able to do it. Um, there's a ton of guys who are in line uh, to play center. And you're right. I don't know that there's a guy set in stone that can do it. And if if Bates and Butker aren't available, Bates in particular, uh, it may be a problem. But I think Bates could be a really good backup center. 
Um, he's smart and he's tough. Two As really tough, re two really high priority qualifications for a center. So smart, smartness and t intelligence and toughness are, are two of the things, and that's what Bates is. He brought up Zach Davidson, who is a 6'7 tight end on this roster. I was excited to see what he could do in training camp, but he went to IR injured reserve in the middle of June. Uh, I want to say it was during mandatory mini camp. He got injured. I don't think it was on the practice field. I cannot remember, but he is on the IR, so we will not see him for a while, unfortunately. Um, but Dalton Kincaid, he could reinvent that slot role. Yeah, you're right. Zach Davidson is big. Yeah, he's a big guy. He's like 6'7", six, seven, oh 251. There's a few guys out there, and there's – like Rousseau stands out because he's like, you know, his eyeballs are at the top of everybody else's head. And Davidson's one of those guys, too, that stand out in a group of big guys. They stand out as being big guys. And if Davidson has a big catch radius as a guy that size, I don't know how he doesn't stick on the 53. Uh, he'd have to be, he'd have to stink at every other aspect of the game not to be able to to hang in there when yeah. he can catch the ball like that and be that size. So we'll see. We'll I, see when he heals up. I I, I appreciate I appreciate uh, Rick your uh, your insight into into that. And you're right, catching the ball was one of the things that struck this team and was Achilles' heel last year, and turning the ball over was a thing that was the Achilles' heel of this team last year. If you fix those two things, if you cut turnovers in half and you cut the drops in half, this team is really difficult to beat. Really yeah. difficult to yep. beat. They definitely are. I'm excited to see what they look like come training camp here next week on Wednesday. Next up, Henry McKenna will join the show, Fox Sports AFC East writer. So don't go anywhere here on One Bills Live. We're presented by Clyda Health on Buffalo Bills Radio. Live, presented by Kaleida Health. Welcome to our number two of One Bills Live. Maddie Glab alongside Steve Tasker filling in for Chris Brown for the week. And now joining us on the show, we'd like to welcome in Henry McKenna, our Fox Sports AFC East writer, who's also a Patriots beat reporter for USA Today. Henry, thanks for joining the show and taking some time to be on with us. Yeah, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So, Henry, we have a Twitter topic question today that we're asking our viewers. It's which player in this year's Bills training camp is going to be the most compelling? A lot of people have said Dalton Kincaid, and rightfully so. I mean, he's got some expectations, uncertain expectations at least. 
but a lot of our fans are excited to see what he can put on the field this season. First round draft pick for the Buffalo Bills, and he put up some numbers and some impressive state, some, some impressive tape in college. And you did an article about Dalton Kincaid and kind of went into playing in college and, and hearing from some of his college coaches. So what did you learn when writing that article and interviewing some of the guys who have been around Dalton Kincaid a lot longer than we have here at the Buffalo Bills? Well, as it goes, when you, I, I was lucky enough to talk to a few folks on the Utah coaching staff. And so I got some really high level insights on him and some really like nitty gritty, um, whether it's football or his personality. So I think, the first thing that Bills fans will love to hear is that his head coach, Kyle Whittingham from Utah, said that basically Dalton was the Travis Kelsey of their offense. I, I, right after the draft, I was texting around with some AFC coaches, and one of them said the exact same thing. He's going to be the Kelsey for Buffalo. And so I think that alone, that comp is exciting. Obviously, comps at this time are like – lofty and and maybe sometimes a little hyperbolic or definitely hyperbolic um but but i think like if you look at who he is as a person too that you're gonna see a guy that that will excite bills fans at that that level too i mean at the combine he was asked where he wants to be in five years and he said i want to have five super bowl rings <laughs> uh and you know he's a selfless uh team player that's why he's going to work really well with dawson knox in the same position group um, he's played with two tight ends, sometimes even three tight ends in his college career. So he's going to be a really good player for this offense. And maybe he's not the number one progression guy in year one, but we'll see him evolve, I think. And maybe in future years could be that number one guy uh, down the line. I know that, it, you know, when you see a guy play and it's a lot of what you think about him has to do with his production and the kind of routes he runs, but it's also how much an offense depends on him. Certainly at Utah, and you go back, and, and the game everybody looks at is the USC game where he had 16 receptions and stuff. I mean, that's a kind of a Travis Kelsey-type game. Um, it's going to be a minute before he gets 16 targets in an NFL game. What will it look like in the meantime to you? In, in the best-case scenario, if he's – splitting time with, you know, with Knox, if he's getting on the field. I mean, what, what's his target share going to be realistically? Yeah, and I'm going to take out a quick tangent, actually, about that USC game. Uh, when I asked him, you know, what he thought about his, his favorite game, he mentioned the other USC game, the Pac-12 championship, where he was playing through a broken back. And his statistics were not as impressive, but they won the game. Uh, and so I think that, again, it says something about Dalton, that he's really interested in championships. He's not interested in personal accolades. And that's why you think about how the Bills kind of slow play their first round draft picks. They like to put them into position groups that are pretty comfortable. Um, and so he'll have he'll have, you know, a substitutional role. I don't I don't know that he'll suddenly be, you know, necessarily number two guy in the offense, um, at least in 2023. So target share, putting me on the spot. Uh, I, I think let's just say he'll end up with the third most 
maybe maybe let's say the third most receiving yards on the team. How does that sound to you guys? <laughs> reasonable? Okay. I mean, that sounds pretty reasonable from a rookie tight end on this roster. In your article, you also talked about how he went into a crowded room at Utah when he transferred over to Utah, but he was able to earn his fair share of targets and then kind of worked his way up the depth chart. Doing that at Utah, how do you think that's going to help him here at the Bills? Yeah, it, it shows his mentality. Like, he knows Dawson Knox, you know, for the time being, is the number one tight end. He knows that Stephon Diggs is, and for as long as he's in this building, that building, uh, he will be, you know, the number one receiver. Um, but where he can, you know, wiggle his way up the, the, the target share ladder, so to speak, is by jumping, you know, Dawson Knox. And, and um you know, who knows how, how long Diggs will be on the team um, for the foreseeable future, obviously. But uh, eventually, when you think about a tight end, right, you think lo- very long term about the way that they can progress. And like Kelsey, for example, is still at the top of his game, you know, well into his career. So you think of Kincaid working with at the beginning, he, you know, he joked with Utah tight ends coach that he'd play 13 personnel, right? Like that, they, that he'd be on the right. field with two other tight ends, a three tight end uh, formation, which is a little bit silly. You almost never see that except for maybe goal line jumbo. But uh, that's the kind of team player he is. And, and he's, he's willing to play with whoever needs to play with to help the team get a win. It sounds so cliche, but it really is the guy. Like I, I interviewed everyone and, and he, he's that guy. So I think that's like, Resonant, hopefully, to Bills fans, um, and and not just that I'm sort of like reiterating the cliches. Right, and so you, you get to that. It, he's one of the intri- in, We've asked our viewers and listeners to you know what's intriguing to them about this training camp. Who's the guy they're looking at? And we're we kind of focused on players, but one of the big stories that kind of is under the radar, mostly because he's got experience doing it, is Sean McDermott taking over the defensive play calling for the Buffalo Bills. They've been a very good defense under Leslie Frazier. They haven't, you know, there is, they haven't been really spectacular. You know, they haven't been a big sack team, big turnover team, although they've had stretches where they've gotten clusters of turnovers. But we don't know what this defense is going to look like with Sean McDermott calling the signals and other def, other head coaches in the league, they call offensive plays, Andy Reid most notably. And then you've got Sean McDermott calling plays defensively. And in, and around the AFC East, you know, Vic Fangio is now in in Miami calling the defensive signals. Now you've got Nathaniel Hackett as the coordinator in, in New York. I mean, there's been some – and now Bill O'Brien in New England. I mean, these guys, these changes at the coordinator spot throw a lot of question marks into what these teams are going to look like. Yeah, yeah. Throw in Aaron Rodgers, right? Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 there's going to be a lot of uh, pressure on Sean McDermott to perform. I do like what Brandon Bean did this off season. Um, it it reminds me I've, I covered the Patriots for seven years before I covered the whole AFCs, and you know, at, at, as Tom Brady's contract consumed more and more of, of the team's cap space, you saw Belichick make these sort of like second wave of free agency uh, mid-tier role uh, signings, excuse me. So like Leonard Floyd and Taylor Rapp are the two deals in particular that I have in mind where you see Bean really, I think, working with McDermott to, and they sort of set each other up for success. 
So I, I'm curious to see with McDermott calling plays and, and Frazier stepping aside for at least a year, does this defense change? Does this scheme change? Does the aggressiveness on play calling change? Um, and bigger picture, right? Sean McDermott isn't just calling plays, right? He's got to manage the game. He's got to manage late game situations. He's got to make sure that uh, everybody's on the same page about fourth down decisions. So I think we got to see two things. How How is Sean McDermott still handling those in-game management decisions that really determine games? And then also, how, how good does this defense look? And, and most importantly, does it look better than last year? How do you think a Leonard Floyd and Taylor Rapp could be used in this defense? Those were two notable signings that you mentioned that Brandon Bean had kind of mid-end of free agency. So where do you see them fitting, and how do you see them helping uh, a play caller in Sean McDermott? Yeah, the, the truth actually is, is, and my honest one is, I don't know exactly. And I think that's kind of the beauty of the two guys. I mean, Floyd obviously is an edge guy who can help as Von Miller recovers um, – to give him some snaps, Floyd some snaps, and take, you know, alleviate Miller as he comes back. Because as, as we've sort of seen over the last few years, ACL injuries, they can take more than a year to uh, for players to get right. And so Miller was such a huge part of that defense. For them to have another guy, another answer, on an already loaded um, defensive front seven, I think Floyd brings, you know, good depth and talent off the edge. And then Rap is a versatility guy. He's he's more of a Swiss Army knife, but that, but I think you can make the case that Floyd is is also like that. So it'll it'll use it gives it gives McDermott two interesting pieces. Neither of them are starters per se. Um, although I guess you could actually make the case that if they make some some schematic changes, maybe we'll see a lot of Rap. But they're the type of players that you know as as Bills want to do. You want to push for a Super Bowl. They're the kind of players that kind of they they give you that like last bit of perfection. Those those that little bit of fudge room um, as you're trying to go from you know a top eight defense to a top three defense. And you see this too when we're looking around the league with what's going on with Saquon Barkley, uh, with Jonathan Taylor, um, and and Tony Pollard down in Dallas. The running backs are not getting long-term deals and the bills go out and get two of them Latavius Murray and Damian Harris to back to go along with James Cook uh they get deeper at running back and probably better at running back at a time when the league is really throwing it more but it and then they got bigger and more physical up front so you see the writing on the wall maybe they're going to be a little bit more of a power run team or at least a little more effective running team even if they don't hand it off anymore they're going to be better doing it when they do decide to do it what does he what do you make of not only the running back room of the Buffalo Bills but the running back in general in that position and where the league's headed Yeah the league's in a tricky spot with running backs you know on the whole we could sit here and talk about it for 30 minutes uh but it, 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 the short of it is that Running backs are feeling undervalued, and team, and that's because teams are not valuing them at a premium. I mean, there's a reason why teams go after the franchise tag right now, and they are comfortable with it. It's because it's actually kind of a discount, which is not typically the case for the franchise tag. Um, but in terms of where the Bills sit at running back, I think, it, like you said, it's, it's super fascinating. I mean, James Cook is a second-round pick. It's sort of been a tough position for being to draft at in, in recent years, 
pretty significant draft capital put into that position. So I think Cook is, you know, plan A, but he you he's kind of plan 1A, and then you, you look for, you know, plan 1B, right? It's not going to be all Cook all the time. Frankly, he's too small. Uh, you don't want to get him banged up. And so you'll use him in the passing game, I think, a little bit more probably this season. Help open up the quick game that was lacking a little bit last year. And, but that won't stop them from, I mean, think about all those explosive runs that he had. I mean, he, he's a really, really good, um, I don't want to use the word scat back, but that's that's what I'll use for lack of a better term. And so that's why Damian Harris and Latavius Murray are showing up. Those guys are tried and true between the tackles runners. They're going to leave bruises on linebackers at the end of the games, and that's kind of what you need in complement to James Cook, um, who's going who's gonna to make a miss. Those other two guys are, are really bruisers. And um, like you said, Bills, they got more effective running the ball, you know, in the second half of the season. But come playoff time, you really do actually need to be able to run the ball. It sounds crazy in today's NFL. Uh, and so I think that's a, a clear effort, like you said. Get better on the offensive line and, and in the interior, get better at that sort of power runner role. Shifting to the AFC East, you covered the Patriots for seven seasons, you said. They missed out on DeAndre Hopkins. So what are a couple big questions heading into training camp for that team? Yeah. Yeah, the whole offense is one big question, <laughs> isn't it? Um, <laughs> the offensive coordinator position uh, or that role uh, now filled by Bill O'Brien, which you mentioned earlier, um, he – can change things in a significant way, right? I mean, we've seen him do it with a number of different quarterbacks. Whether he was a head coach and the team as a whole struggled, uh, you know, he did really, really good things uh, for Deshaun Watson on the football field. And we saw it at Alabama, too. Um, so I think, ultimately, that's really going to kind of dictate how the Patriots go. I mean, we saw Josh, or Mac Jones under Josh McDaniels in 2021 – and we saw a pretty competent quarterback, right, under a competent offensive coordinator. Fast forward to 2022, the offense is a train wreck. And, and it, you can point really to the play callers that year, you know, the offensive leaders who are Matt, Patricia, Joe Judge. Frankly, just their positions were, were not right for them. I mean, we can all clearly state that at this point. And, and that's why the Patriots had to move on. So as they transitioned to O'Brien, the question is, can we see a competent Mac Jones again by way of Bill O'Brien's leadership and development? And if that doesn't happen, if Mac Jones and, and Bill O'Brien, you know, for, for whatever, wherever the blame ends up falling, if that doesn't work out, uh, th this could be a really fascinating season for New England uh, because their defense is still good. I mean, it's a Bill Belichick-led team, but the division is just too darn good for them to not be a balanced team on the whole, because then they're going to lose a lot of games if they can't score points. It, it, it will be interesting. Yeah, you talk about the rest of the division being so good, and the most notable thing about the division has been Aaron Rodgers' addition. The New York Jets looked like, a, a year ago, the Jets looked like a team that was poised to really be an, an outstanding squad, and they were a quarterback short of that. I mean, even a, an average quarterback short of that. Um, now they get more than an average quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. Is are the rest of the pieces going to come back and be just as good as we saw them at times last year? Is that, I mean, is it 
it's never that simple, but it kind of looks like it's going to be that simple. Well, I, I got to preface it by saying, like, I just wonder if the Jets are going to Jets this year. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. I just, I just hope for their sake that they don't. But I, I guess for your, for your guys' sake, maybe I, I hope that they do. <laughs> um, it, it, it is just exactly what you asked, which is this team was, a, was one quarterback away. Uh, there were games where their quarterbacks played competently. They looked like a playoff caliber team. Anytime they put Zach Wilson on the field, uh, it all kind of fell apart, right? I, I kind of accept the game uh, that they won in upset fashion uh, over the Bills in New, New Jersey. Um, but I think the um, the Aaron Rodgers addition is what they needed to contend for a Super Bowl. I, I've written it kind of all offseason that on paper, you just look at the defense that they had last year, and if you, you make the assumption that, that – those players, both offensive and defensively, play as well as they did last year. You insert Aaron Rodgers. This team can go to the AFC Championship game. They can be competitive with anyone. And um, I just, I think even, you know, I think they could even come out in the AFC East as the number one team, right, and, and upset the Bills or, or unseat the Bills. Uh, so everything is lined up for the Jets. And, and really the only people that can stop the Jets, in my mind, are the Jets. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not just the Jets that the Bills are going to be competing with in the AFC East this year. It's also the Dolphins. And, and Tua came out and said the Dolphins are definitely legit contenders for the Super Bowl this year. He said, I think the offense can get very, very scary, pretty dangerous. I think we're legit contenders. There's no doubt with the guys that we have on the team. Do you believe that this team is going to be a legit contender for the Super Bowl? Or do you think the bigger question is, can, Stuart, can Tua stay healthy yeah they're sort of one in the same aren't they where where two two has to be a healthy quarterback in, in order for this offense to function we saw how quickly i, I think Tua doesn't get enough love um the the truth is we saw what happened when he did get hurt uh and how quickly that offense unraveled without him they, they've really he's a he f operates at a really high level in that offense and um are they Super Bowl contenders? I, I'm not sure about that. Uh, I, I, I just, we saw the, the team fall apart a little bit too precipitously at the second half of last year for me to have absolute faith that all they need is, is Tua to come back and be healthy. I do think that they will be, I mean, they're just so talented. So you can't really count them out, can you? I mean, look, on Madden, it came out the, the speed ratings today. And they have the two fastest running backs in the league. Uh, on, I mean, it's, a, it's sort of a, it's a video game, so it's sort of silly. But but they have so many explosive playmakers, and I'm talking about running back. They're, they're obviously their two best playmakers are at receiver, uh, Waddle and Tyreek Hill. So um, I, I think ultimately there's too much uncertainty right now for me to take them seriously as a, a contender. But if Tua stays healthy. Uh, then maybe I'll be kicking myself in, in January. We'll see. How does Vic Fangio change things down there? Certainly their defense, they, they like their corners, and you know, they've always tried to, to get those guys and to play at a high level and kind of play in front of those, those guys. 
what does Vic Fangio bring to the table that may give them a little bit of help on the other side of the ball when their offense does is playing, and it did. It played at an elite level for like a month and a half in the middle of the season last year. Uh, you know, and then it came apart when Tua went down. But Vic Fangio brings something to the table that may give them some help on the other side of the ball. Yeah, they're buzzing about him in, in Miami. Um, I think the, the, the confidence, the competence is a word I keep using. I mean, think about what I just said about Bill O'Brien sort of transforming the Patriots offense potentially. You know, the, the Dolphins did, did really need a transformation on defense. Things sort of fell apart. Admittedly, they deal, dealt with more cornerback injuries, I think, than like anyone in the league. So that was a tough thing for them to overcome. But Fangio, I think it's just going to – it's a more rapid transformation from a scheme standpoint. Things are going to look really different next this year uh, for Miami. Um, and so I think we might see, you know, some, some – it, it will be really great, honestly, in, in the early weeks to see how Fangio has transformed them. And, you know, it's, it's hype season, but everything sounds like it's going extremely well. And that they have so much young talent, so much athleticism that Fangio can really maximize. So it, it looks good, like we're talking about on paper. Um, and and it, it when you're talking about this division, it's like you can't – you just praise everyone because they are <laughs> so darn good. I mean, it really is. The, the worst team in this division is led by Bill Belichick. How strange is that? That right. is very strange. It's going to be an intense year for the AFC East. It's going to be fun to watch these teams play each other and see who comes out as a champion. I mean, we're, we're rooting for the Bills yeah. over here, but we'll see how it all comes together for the Jets, the Dolphins, and the Patriots. Henry, we want to thank you for joining Thanks, us Henry. on today's show. Henry McKenna from Fox Sports, the AFC East writer, also covered the Patriots for seven seasons. We'll see you later, Henry. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thanks, Henry. And later on in the show, we're going to get into our tweet sheet. We haven't touched that yet. We've got a topic going on. Which player in this year's Bills training camp is most compelling? We've had several calls that we've been able to take. If you want to get involved in the conversation, give us a call here, 803-0550. Who do you think is the most compelling player as practices for training camp start in a week? Don't go anywhere. We're back here in a quick few minutes on One Bills Live. We're presented by Clyde Health on Buffalo Bills Radio. the most compelling player in this year's training camp? That's our question for you today. We're going to head right over to the tweet sheet brought to you by Corrigan Moving Systems, the official equipment moving company of the Buffalo Bills. Several people have tweeted at us with their responses. And we'll go first from Jack. He says, Kincaid is interesting, but I'm very compelled by the middle linebacker battle. My guy is Balin Spector. I think he's been listening to you, Tasker. Yeah, there you go. I think his size, instincts, and work ethic may help him win the battle, but the last two third-rounders, Williams and Bernard, have great speed and athleticism to take the gig. A vet like A.J. Klein also knows the defense. Knowing the defense is big, but all these guys do or should, except for Williams. Um He's the newest guy, just got drafted. But Bernard should, Spectre should, Dodson should, and, of course, Klein should as well. I mean, they, all there's no excuse for them not knowing everything they need to know on the field. Um, 
It puts them all kind of in the same boat. That's why it's so intriguing. Mm-hmm. Who's it, put the Who's put the time in the in the rule in the uh, playbook? Yeah, it is a very compelling battle. Uh, you think about Tremaine Edmonds, the guy who was in it last year and for several years for this defense was was a type of player who grew up in that role he got drafted and and got put into that spot and and grew up as a leader in that role and then by by his last season with the bills he was a completely different player in in his strengths and in the way that he commanded the defense and that's what you need out of a middle linebacker and and possibly the coaching staff would be willing to go with a younger player because that's what they did with Tremaine he grew into that role and and he was a guy who was more quiet at first and so maybe they're okay with having a, a younger guy like Dorian Williams or Baglin Specter or uh, Terrell Bernard in that spot because they want somebody who can kind of Yes, have the skill set in season number one as a starter, but also be able to grow um, as a starter within the defense. Right. And it's I can't wait to see him start taking snaps. Certainly they're going to have to decide who's going to be the first guy out there and who's going to take how many reps he's going to take, when's it going to change, how they're going to rotate that. The preseason games, who's going to be instinctive. And like we have said the last couple of days, What's going to change when they put the pads on? Mm-hmm. Who's going to shine and who's going to retreat? You know, who's going to disappear and who's going to emerge? Um, fun stuff to think about. Lifelong fan says Dalton Kincaid. I think him and Dawson Knox on the field at the same time can be a real problem for defenses. We've heard Dalton's name quite a bit with this question, so I want to ask you a different question along with lifelong, what lifelong fans said. Dawson Knox and Dalton Kincaid being on the field at the same time, that's called 12 personnel. Right. How often do you think an offense like this will use 12 personnel? It's something that they've done before under Brian Dayball, but last year we didn't see as much of it. We ran less 12 personnel than anybody in the National Football League last mm-hmm. year. It was like 3.6% of our offensive yeah. plays. There was none. We were in an 11 personnel team um, last year. Yeah, we were an 11 personnel team. That means one running back, one mm-hmm. tight end. And 12 personnel, one running back, two tight ends. You would like to think with those tight ends on the field, they're bigger, more physical. You would be a bigger threat to run the football. Um, maybe. Um, but that means Kincaid is going to be out there, you know, getting his knuckle in the dirt, you know, coming firing off the ball and getting into a linebacker. Yeah. Not really why you drafted him. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you can run it out of there, out of 12 personnel, then the defense counters by taking a safety off the field and putting a linebacker on the field or a corner off the field and putting a linebacker on the field. Instead of going three corners, like with a Taron Johnson on the field, they put in Taylor Rapp or – a linebacker. Well, if they start doing that, and then all of a sudden Dalton Kincaid stands up out of the two tight end <laughs> set and splits out to a slot receiver, and you got to, and like I said, like I, I do it facetiously, but like you got, now you got a fat guy mm-hmm. guarding him. Well, then that's the thing. And I, and I said this early on if can the Bills make a defense n- not have the right matchup? When he's on the field, if he's if you can run it when they go light, and you can throw it when they go heavy, and they can't win either matchup, that could be their secret a, weapon this year. If that's, you can yeah. run twelve personnel the way that these players should allow you to run twelve personnel, meaning if Dalton Kincaid is on the field, you don't know if they're going to run or throw the ball. 
it's very rare that you see an offense that can do that successfully, well, that has a tight end that allows you to do that. And if they can do that well and at a high level, they're going to be really tough to stop. And it's, it goes further than just they don't know whether you're going to run it or pass it. They're worried if you do either one. They can't – if you split out, you can't cover Dalton Kincaid and Steph Diggs and James Cook. You, somebody, you can't do it because if, if you go zone defense – they, those guys are so good at finding dead areas. They're so good. And if you match up man-to-man, you can't match up with two of them, mm-hmm. let alone all three. You got one guy covered up uh, with your best corner guy. So it's not whether they don't even know if you're running or passing. If you run it, they aren't big enough to bear up and stop you. And if you throw it, you're snapping off chunks of yards because they got guys running open all over the field because they, they're athletes. That's the problem. I'm, and – whether a defense – I don't care if they know you're going to throw it or not. If they can't stop it anyway with the people they've got on the field, you know, you're, you're headed for disaster as a defense. And that's where the Bills are, have a chance of getting people in, the, in that spot. And that's why you see more defenses playing in nickel and why you see more defensive having, right. defenses having big nickels who, who can stop the run but who can also act um, as a nickel cornerback. That's right. why you see defenses – that have linebackers that don't look like your prototypical linebacker, that right. look like skinnier guys who can right. – they can stop the run, but their strength may be stopping the pass. One of the things that – we have Greg Cosell from NFL Films on with us, and he has always said – when, when Leslie Frazier's been calling the defense, he is very adamant about the fact – the Bills never changed defensive personnel. It was three corners, two safeties, two linebackers, always, like 90 – five-plus percent of Mm -hmm. their snaps, except in short yardage and goal line when they were all pecking. He said the only reason or one of the main reasons the Bills can play that and never change personnel is because of their third corner, and that's Taron Johnson. He's scrappy, competitive in the run game. We've heard also guys like Dan Orlovsky, former NFL quarterback who's now with ESPN, he breaks down film, and one of the things teams try to do is – run a play where an offensive lineman comes out and is man-on-man on on Taron because he's, you know, he's a buck 90, right? He's a small (laughs) guy. But because he's so competitive and instinctive, he can kind of neutralize a big offensive lineman coming out either with by jumping out of his way and getting back into position or either, you know, taking him on early before he gets ahead of steam or just making a play. He's so competitive, he can do that. So the Bills never worry about putting a linebacker in there to step up on a guard and stop the run game. They can leave Taron on the field. That's why the Bills' defense is so good. They can play the same 11 guys no matter who you put on the field, and they're still a top five, top three, maybe top sink, maybe number one defense. That's where they are. Mm-hmm. Not too many teams can do that. Yeah. So the Bills, they throw out all these guys, Dalton Kincaid, James Cook, Steph Diggs, Gabe Davis, and whoever else is going to be out there, they're a problem. And I hope that's what it's going to be come week one, that this team has got has got their stuff together, and, and surely enough they will. They've had plenty of players on this team for several years. They know how the ship is run here. Uh, those new guys, hopefully they get folded in quickly and, and feel comfortable because this is going to be a fun year for this team. I want to transition into some news and notes because we haven't gotten to that yet. So let's go around the NFL presented by Kaleida Health. And yesterday we talked about the Cleveland Browns all-white helmets that they released. They look impeccable. Love them. 
The Seahawks are the next team to unveil what they're going to wear this year. They've got a 90s era throwback jerseys that they're going to be wearing on week eight against the Cleveland Browns. And they released a, a pretty cool video of Jackson Smith and Enigma. And he was... <laughs> in bed and it, in the, his room was 90s themed and then he wakes up and he goes into the kitchen where you would think his mom is cooking him some breakfast and then he rolls out into the garage and then there's a band playing in the garage and then he <laughs> rolls out onto the field and I like those uniforms too. I'm a fan of the throwback look and I thought for the Seahawks what they will be wearing in week eight is pretty clean. The blue of the Seahawk blue thing like really pops. Blue. It really yes. pops with the silver and the and the and the um, you know the lime green that they wear sometimes now. You know it was an accent color in the beginning. Now they have whole jerseys of it. But you know it it really is a good look. And it and for guys of my and I guess you too, but my vintage. I'm a sixty. I'm a sixties. You know and and I played in the nineties. So that kind of rings a little gong for me when when you see stuff like that like the old the old patriot stuff where the guy the the guy in the tri-corner hat is snapping the mm -hmm, football mm -hmm. the dolphins with a dolphin jumping through the fiery hoop <laughs> uh, you know the old time jerseys it's a lot of fun the denver used to have blue helmets denver had a blue helmet with a d on it um yeah it was it's really fun to see and the and the seahawks Pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, pretty cool. And it's cool to see a young player like Jackson Smith and Jigba be able to be in a video like that. Who was that. born in like 2001, I know. You, right? you don't know I mean. what the 90s are like, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but I love seeing him get highlighted, too. He's going to have an exciting first year in the NFL. Other things going around the NFL. So the Jets are planning to release wide receiver Denzel Mims if no trade happens uh interesting that they would be going that way for a second round pick out of the 2020 draft but he str struggled to find his way on the jets due to some nagging injuries and competition in the wide receiver room uh mims actually requested a trade from the jets last year around this time his agent claiming that the team wasn't giving mims a legitimate opportunity to establish himself within the offense and that request came months after the Jets selected Garrett Wilson, who ended up being the NFL's Offensive Rookie of the Year in 2022. So we'll see what happens with that. But I think Denzel Mims is a younger player who has some potential in the NFL. You would wonder if a trade is going to happen, especially when teams get into training camp and injuries start to happen. And then right. there's teams looking for wide receivers or looking for different players. Yeah, Mims had a – he just – it wasn't that he wasn't good enough to make the – he just couldn't stay just healthy. didn't work for him. Kind of herky-jerky mm -hmm. start to his career. Um, it's unfortunate, but it's a guy that, you know, now where the – and we've said it, the Jets have done a lot of really wonderful things in the last couple of off-seasons. They've gotten better. They, they acted like anything but the old Jets that people used to make fun of. They have done a lot of things right. And – uh, it's starting to pay dividends because you got a guy like Mim this Mims is the kind of guy that they used to sign extensions to, right? Mm -hmm. Because they thought, well, he's there as soon as he can stand. Now they don't have to wait on players like that because they've got they've drafted so well and they, and they've got a really good roster. Um, it's where the the Bills have been the last handful of years. It's hard. It's a hard roster to make, 
And uh, Mims is going to be a victim of that, I think. One more for you before we head to break. Veteran running back Leonard Floyd is working out today for the Patriots, according to a report. Fournette visited the Patriots as a free agent last offseason. They've appreciated his skill set for a while. If he signs, he would be a valuable depth piece for the team. Can't ask Ramondre Stevenson to do everything for 17 games. He was a big part of the offense last season, really broke out in the last two seasons. Really, Ramondre Stevenson has been around so Leonard Fournette would be a help for the Patriots in the running back room all right break time for us when we come back we're gonna be closing up shop here on One Bills Live we're presented by Clyde Health on Buffalo Bills Radio We'll round out the tweet sheet here with one more response from Eric. He says, Osiris Torrance, he will end up, will he end up being the big bodied road ranging grading interior offensive lineman we've been missing? How big of a steal is he going to end up being for the second round? Or are we going to see him turn into a Wyatt Teller situation? I really hope that doesn't happen. I'm excited to see him. Me too. Me too. I you know, you get I told you I was kind of getting excited about thinking. Uh, thinking about how this offensive line could come together, the guys they've got, the depth they've got, the competition that's going to be there. Uh, I'd, I'd love to see it at, at least at some points this year where this offensive line is really dominates. We haven't seen a dominant – we've seen good offensive lines here in years thinking past. Thinking about and it stuff. talking about it and the potential of it this year, it gets us really excited. The What yeah. you can do with the offense when you have a dominant – five guys, a dominant seven guys, a part of your lineup. You can do so much more with your run game. Your quarterback just feels at ease a lot more in the pocket. And, yes, there were times last year where the offensive line had great games and Josh Allen did have time in the pocket and the running game looked great. But I go back to what I said. It's the consistency of being able to put together game in, game out. That's what Super Bowl teams are able to do. That's right. And and – They've got not only enough guys in competition to really elevate the play all the time and consistently across, but to cover for injuries, even multiple injuries. They've got a lot of guys that are really, really accomplished players in the league. So we'll see. Uh, Osiris Torrance, kind of the centerpiece, second-round draft pick, um, a big dude. Big guy. Connor McGovern, same thing. He's played for three or four years for the for Dallas the Cowboys. Cowboys. He's a big a dude. Starter. David Edwards also David comes Edwards. from the L.A. Rams. He yeah. was a starter for two seasons. So yeah. you've got guys with starting experience on really good rosters here coming to the Bills. So we'll, we'll see. see how it all comes together. Great yeah. topic for today. Tomorrow we've got Sam Monson coming on from PFF. So it'll be exciting to talk to him. So make sure you tune in tomorrow from 1 to 3. It'll be me and Steve Tasker. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday.